<laughs> the Word of God will change your life. Amen? Uh, it, it's amazing what you do when you actually read it. Read the Word. It'll, it'll, it'll mess you up. You got answers. Self-help books aren't going to help you, but the Word of God will help you. The gospel is going to help you. It's got all the answers that you ever need. I want to talk to you about a story, but I want to lead into what the story, to, why Jesus is saying what he's saying in this. So I, I, I want to just, I'm just going to talk for a minute first. Um, now, Jesus hung out with some crazy people. And what's crazy about that is that uh, they even called him, and I'm not going to get too deep into this part, but they called him a friend of sinners. So you would find Jesus at times, he went over to uh, the head Pharisee's house. These leaders went to their house and um, had a meal. And so they're sitting at a house having a meal. All these, I guess, big leaders, big church leaders or whatever you want to call it, these Pharisees and stuff, they were all sitting in his house having a meal. And Jesus is invited in to sit down at a table to feast. And basically, these stories start unfolding. They said, you know, you, you think it's okay to heal on the Sabbath? Now, you mind you, there's a, there's a meal being prepared. There's stuff happening, and he's asking questions. You think it's okay to heal on the Sabbath? And it, it, it says, basically, they remained silent, and they didn't talk about it. And, and he says, it, you know, because in the past, what has happened is Jesus would heal somebody. Somebody would get up and take their mat and walk, and then they would, like, be all tore up by it. But why are you walking with the mat? Now you're working. That's against the rules. So now, now we need to actually put you in jail and, and condemn you. Not even thinking one bit about the fact that that person's actually walking. You're more concerned with what he's carrying. But isn't that how it is when you start to define healing and restoration? There's always somebody going to point out something else in your life. And Jesus is like, can you even do this? Can you do it? And they were kind of quiet because he's trying to tell them and be, be real about something. Because he's like, okay, in the end, here's what he's saying. He's sitting at this table. He's just getting there. So he starts talking. He said, but if one of your kids was, was stuck in a hole, or what would they say, a well? If they're stuck in a well, or, or your, your sheep or one of your, your, your animals. Okay, like some of you all don't have animals like that. So let's just get it real personal. One of your dogs or your cat or somebody, you know what I mean? Like it's stuck. Are you just going to leave them in the well? Are you going to leave your child, grandchild in the well and just let them just, oh, well, good luck. Hope you make it. No, Jesus is saying, listen, if somebody's stuck and something's happening, <laughs> you're going to do what you got to do. But see, the, the, the religious were so bound to the religion that they're like, well, we can't work on the Sabbath. So what are you going to do? Let your child die in the well because it's the Sabbath? And Jesus came and disrupted the establishment all the time. If there's a need, I'm going to meet it. I don't care if it's on the Sabbath. I don't care what day it is. I'm going to do whatever I got to do in this moment. So he goes on and then he continues to talk. And he says, listen, if you're going to have a lunch, if you're going to have a dinner, you might as well not invite the people that, that you know and, and, and like leaders that you know because they're going to expect to turn the favor. If you really want to do a good job, you really want to put on a dinner, invite people that can't pay you back. 
All these leaders are sitting here with their dignity and everything, and Jesus just sitting at the table just because they're trying to trip him up. They're trying to change what he, his view, they're trying to get him to, to compromise, and he's like, if you're going to really do a dinner, why don't you just do one where nobody can owe you anything because you're doing it out of the kindness of your own heart. So they're sitting there, and all this is going on, and then here we go to the point of where we are, and he's saying, okay, so one of the guys sitting at the table that's, that's a, a Pharisee, a, a, a leader in, in, I guess, the temple, and he's, he's sitting there, and everybody's sitting around, and they're trying to find ways to trip Jesus up, and he, he makes a statement. He says, he says um, in verse 15, and, uh, and, and Luke, he was, he was just, he's just talking. He says, you know, with, with those around the table with him, he said, man, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Blessed is the one who will, who will eat at the feast. Like, he, he's having this whole conversation and letting them know that, you know, they're going to be blessed. It, it, who, who's going to eat? So what, what a blessing it would be to attend the banquet in the kingdom of God. What a blessing. And Jesus is sitting there, and he's like, okay. All these guys, this is going to be a blessing. Like if, basically saying, like, it's kind of going to be like this, you know? Like, this is going to be a blessing to, to enter into a banquet in the kingdom of God. And so this guy goes quiet, and then Jesus all of a sudden replies to what he's saying. He says, listen, let me tell you a story. He said, a man prepares a great feast and sent out many invitations. And when the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests, come to the banquet. It's ready. But they all began making excuses. One said, I, I, I bought a field, and it must be inspected. Can I stop real quick as I'm telling this story? If you're going to buy a field, wouldn't you already go inspect it before you even purchase it? Before you even step foot, it's like saying, not just a field, you know, I bought a home, I need to go inspect it. Wouldn't you already have somebody inspect the home to see if you was going to actually buy the home first? To make sure everything was good with it? So I can't come. So, so please excuse me. Another said, man, I bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. Please, wouldn't you already be testing these oxen out before you even purchased them to see if they were going to do what you've bought them to do? Please excuse me. Another one said, I just got married. I can't come. What young couple can't come? What, you, when, it's, when you're basically socializing and stuff, oh, we just got married. I, I just can't come to the... Y'all, you married. You broke. It's a banquet. Free food. What are you talking about you can't come? Like my dad always says, if it's free, it's for me. <laughs> Except the butt kicking, dad, right? <laughs> you don't want that free. Um, <laughs> but, but there's an excuse why we just got married. Oh, we can't come to the banquet. And, there was, and the servant returned to the master and, and told them what they said, and the master was furious. He said, go quickly into the streets and the alleys and to the town. Invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. Are you kidding me? Go invite them. After the servant had done what he was going to do, 
He said, after the servant uh, had done this, he responded, and, and, and the master basically said, man, there's still, there's still more room. We still got more room. And so the master said, you know what? Because there's still more room, go into the countryside. Go into the country. Go into the lanes. Go behind the hedges. Urge anyone you can find to come. So that the house will be full. Do you realize what he is doing here in this banquet? He is in a place right now telling them, listen, I invited all these guests and everybody I think basically should have came, but they just decided not to. I guess it wasn't important to them. I'll tell you this right now. I've said it many times. I'll keep saying it. You'll do what's important to you. If it's important to you, you will find a way. If not, you will find an excuse. In anything you decide to do, if it is valuable to you, you will find a way. And so he's telling them, look, these people are making excuses not wanting to come to this banquet. Oh, my goodness. Well, won't you go get the, the lame and the sick and the poor? Do you realize the people he was getting wasn't in the inner city anyway? If you look through the Bible and you talk about anybody lame, anybody that had any kind of disease that didn't fit the quota of, of living in the city, they were always on the outskirts. They've been pushed to the outskirts of the city. So in general, he was already on the outskirts inviting people and then said, besides that, you know, I want you to go ahead and go over to Sullivan and grab some people. I need you to get over there past, past Terre Haute on the east side. And you see what I'm saying? Go up north a little bit. Um, I know it's the city, but sometimes it don't seem like the city. So just go ahead and go to West Terre Haute. You know, just go over there on the other side of the bridge. They're in another country anyway. So just get over there. You see what I'm saying? Like, he was saying, like, just get out far as you can and just invite whoever. And, and so he invites all them, and they weren't first invited. And here's what he says. None of these I first invited will ever taste the smallest taste of the banquet. None of them. None of them. It is the craziest thing that when you get a RSVP, you, you give out an RSVP to come to a banquet and you have it all set and ready and, and it's all laid out and ain't none of them want to show up. You ever had something where you set up and just people didn't show up? Or even family or whatever and nobody just showed up. And you're like, why is nobody showing up? And, and what's amazing about the king and about, and about the person holding a banquet, mind you, again, Jesus is sitting at a table with Pharisees telling this man that just said, man, isn't it going to be nice getting in the kingdom, having a banquet in the kingdom of heaven? He's like, hold up, sir. Let me tell you something real fast. Thinking you're just going to sit there and, and it's all going to be nice for you. Let me tell you something real quick. There will be some that will be invited and some won't even show up. I will call to some and some won't even come because they're, they have something more important to do than be in my presence. And too many times we live life like this at times where we just want to, well, you know, we'll just pull him out if we need him. You know, when all hell breaks loose, yes, do we need the Lord? Yes, do we need prayer? But why do we always get him when something's bad and we barely talk to him when it's all good? 
Does that mean, thank you, Dad. I appreciate it. Um, it's true, though, but why is it like that? And he's calling to you when it's all good, too, but you're too busy when it's good. But Lord knows you need him when it's bad, but I'm not saying it's not a time to get him. What he's looking for is consistency through the whole time. He ain't talking about your banquet once. He's wanting to fellowship with you all the time. And my biggest thing is, is why wouldn't you want to come? He's preparing a table, a banquet, a feast just for you. Setting it up just for you. Having people get it just right just for you. Why wouldn't you want to come to a banquet that somebody's worked so hard to prepare and look so beautiful and get to a place that you can go to? Yes, is it nice? Is it pretty? Do we, do we in awe and wonder of it? But that's not the main thing of the banquet. It's who's present at the banquet. We are appreciative of those moments, but in the end, it's who's present. It's an honor that the, that the person hosting it would even invite in the moment of the banquet, but here we go. We have our own expectations, and so sometimes we don't go. Honestly, at times, what I think, some people don't go to the table because they're not in charge of the table. Think about this. If you ain't in charge of the table, you don't know, you can't dictate the table. So some people won't come to the table because they feel they have to be in charge of everything. You ever had, don't, don't look, no, don't point at people in the room. You have people that just feel like they just have to be in charge of everything. I've ever been around people like that, that feel like everything's like that, and you almost dread going because it's always something. You ever been where it's so dictated and so structured that you have no room to breathe? I, I, I appreciate order, but I also appreciate laid back. I also appreciate being comfortable, too, where I don't have to walk on eggshells every time. So some people won't come to the table. They're so busy giving excuses on things that they know for a fact why they're even saying what they're saying. It's because some people just want to be in control of the table. So if they don't control the table, they don't want to be a part of it. You ever had that? And I'm telling you, what God's trying to do is he's trying to lower all of our pride, all of our flesh, and let him control the situation and let him dictate what needs to happen because he is in charge. He is the king of all. And what an honor well, you said <laughs> to come. Key, you said a key statement, which was... Um, they didn't respond because of their expectations. And something that God spoke to me through this as reading it uh, was he said, how many will refuse God's invitation because he doesn't meet their expectations? How many will refuse God's invitation because he doesn't meet their expectations? And the word expectations means a strong belief or hope that something will happen or that you will get something you want. Your expectations, what you expect. Expectation is that which is expected from somebody. Expectations are how we hope life to be. They're how we hope life will be. We expect it to be a certain way. And when it doesn't turn out that certain way, that's when the control aspect comes into order because it, we have to make it turn in our favor to work in the way that we want it to. 
The power of expectation subconsciously controls your life to create self-fulfilling prophecies. The power of expectation subconsciously controls your life to fulfill self-fulfilling prophecies. That means things that you've seen, the visions that you've had, not visions that God has had for your life, not things that he wants for your life, but the visions that you've had are these prophecies, these things that you have said how life is going to be that you want to self-fulfill. And when your expectations aren't met, then you don't respond. Mm. Sometimes I think what happens is we can have expectations placed on us that modify our behavior for better or worse. Your own expectations can even fill you with energy or despair. They're reflections of what you think or believe about God, yourselves, and others. That's what your expectations do. And I was thinking about this as I was reading it, and I love... Again, when we study the word, you just don't know what you're going to get out of it. And in the footnote here of my Bible, it says it this way. It said, those who were initially invited represent the Jews and their leaders who claim to be waiting for the fulfillment of God's kingdom on earth. Wait, did you hear the word? They claimed to be waiting. But when Christ came, they refused his invitation to be part of that kingdom because he did not fit their expectations. Today, Christ's invitation to eternal life goes out to many people. And many of those who appear to have received and accepted the invitation will ultimately pass up their opportunity to be with Christ. This is because other interests, concerns, and concerns will take priority. And their love for Jesus and the heavenly kingdom will grow cold. None of the excuses given in this word, scripture was genuine. No excuse in this place was genuine. What happened was the Jews expected him to come and be this king. Sorry, I'm dropping my stuff. But they expected him to come and this, be this king that rode in on like this white horse with like these garments and that were dressed so kingly and with his crown and to be, you know, have the authority and to follow in with their rule as the Pharisees to go with the order and the structure of the church when he was the church himself. And the thing about it is, is they expected him to do it their way. Now, I don't know about you, but I've never been or heard of any kingdom where the king did it the way that everybody else wants it. It went the other way around where everybody else did it the way the king wanted it. Right? And we are a part of a kingdom, which is the kingdom of God. And what has happened is we have set up false expectations of who we think God should be in our life. And when he doesn't meet our expectations or the requirements that we desire in our lives, then we decline his invitation to sit at the table. I love if, if Jesus met our expectations, he couldn't exceed them then. Well, and that's something God woke me up this morning and he said to me, and it's funny you said that, he woke me up and he said to me, he said, I will never meet your expectations, but I will always exceed them. What's the Bible say? He does exceedingly abundantly all that we may ask. If he always met your expectations, he couldn't exceed them. You have to just live in that. Well, it, the key to this is a different word. We have expectation and then we have anticipation. These are two separate words. Yeah. Anticipation is the act of looking forward. It's pleasurable expectation. 
It's a feeling of excitement about something that is going to happen in the near future. Anticipation versus expectation. Anticipation is being excited for what the future holds, but not trying to control it. Expectation causes you to try to predict the future and restricts your happiness only to one outcome. My goodness. Expectation is projecting an imagined reality into the future. It limits you. And something that I had to ask myself as I was studying and thinking about this, and this was a question I asked myself, do I become disappointed with God because he doesn't do as I expect? Do I become disappointed with God because he doesn't fulfill what I expect him to fulfill? And that could go a long way, love, of health, um, situations, that stuff you're praying for, for family. That's right. Like, it could literally try to cause damage in your life because we have this expectation. And, and he wants to exceed that, but he has to drop us first. We, are, we, we have so much control in our mind that if we can lower the control then I'm telling you, everything else would be completely different. Well, when I was thinking about it, he said, when he said to me this morning, God will never meet your expectations, but he will always exceed them. He said, understanding this, understanding that God doesn't meet your, ex and let me tell you what, you don't want God to meet your expectations. Because <laughs> honestly, we have a low bar of who God really is. Well, and what I he want wants to, say, to do. Just real quick. Uh, when I was in Israel, um, the Jewish people thought a prophet was coming and they didn't believe that the Messiah will return. And so their eyes have been blinded because of the expectation, like you said. They thought that he was coming on a white horse when he came uh, to a virgin and then he come through on a donkey. And it's interesting that their eyes were blind. Some of our eyes are so blinded of who he really is and of the real truth in our lives. And just like, like Pastor Jen just said that, you know, she woke up this morning and she searched and allowed the Holy Spirit to look within her to say, is there anything that in me, you know, just like, Pastor Brandon just looked at me and said, did you make that cake, Mom? I did. You weren't expecting that, was you? But see, sometimes God lays things out that you're not expecting, but can you receive it? You know, I, I think we have to be careful of being wedding crashers. Do you know what I mean? Like, because we don't expect something, just like you said about coming to the table, we don't expect it. So we're going to cross our arms and we're going to close ourselves up. And you know what I'm saying? Whether it's in your family and you go to Thanksgiving or, you know, why don't you just open up your heart and expect something? You know, because if you don't, then what's going to happen? Well, I think what happens is when you, you know, you have these thoughts and these ideas that God is supposed to do something for you or be there for you in a certain way. And when your, when your thoughts and your reality become crossed with the reality of heaven, what happens is you begin to have a hard time really understanding the heavenlies because 
you're still stuck in your flesh, fleshly realm of how you think and how things should be done, and you don't allow your spirit to match up with God's, and, and it, it becomes disappointing. I think what happens is sometimes our expectations are driven by our disappointments because we want God to come in and mend and heal and do the things that he wants, and he's just saying, I want you to anticipate that I'm going to be there. You know, and, and the fact of it is, is I believe that all of us in this room have been through or are going through moments where you feel like God hasn't met what you expected him to do, where he hasn't finished something that you thought that he was going to do in a certain way. And so you're like, man, God, I've been dealing with this for a really long time. Why can't this be done or with my finances or my kids or, you know, my, my job or am I ever going to be able to pay off my debt or am I ever going to feel any better? You know, you said that ask and you shall receive. And I think what happens is we get this expectation that when we ask God for something that he has to do it in the demand that we give. And God is not a God nor a king to be demanded from. And the thing about it is, is that when I ask myself that, I really meant it. I have sometimes my expectations of the way that I want you to respond to me, have they denied me an ability to really sit at your table and really sup with you because I didn't just anticipate that you were going to do something no matter what that you had control, but what I did was I expected you to do it away, so what I did was I tied your hands. Did I tie your hands? Because when you want to control something, that means that you hold it so tight that it doesn't have room to move, breathe, or do anything. And I thought that the Word of God says, in Him we live, in Him we move, and in Him we have our being. And anticipation crosses those lines right there and what's crazy is you've seen them preparing and doing things and God said it he didn't invite them in till it was prepared he said I they once it was prepared he sent out the servants and I wrote this down preparation is the key to anticipation it unlocks the hope within you to believe that God will show up and do what he said he will do but preparation works on both sides. See, God prepared a table, and he still is preparing a table for you. He said to the disciples when he left, he said, I'm going to leave, and I'm going to prepare a table for you. When he left, he meant that. And what we have to do is hold on to it that he is preparing a table in the heavenlies for us to sit. But on the other hand, we have to prepare ourselves on a daily basis to sit with him. And our preparation means responding to the invitations that God gives us. And when we see the Pharisees, they chose not to respond because they weren't prepared because their expectations denied their preparation. Think about it. They didn't want to go to the party. Let me ask you a question. Have any of you ever been invited somewhere where you're like, I don't really want to go to that? Yes. Don't lie in this room. Y'all know you've been invited to something. You're like, I, 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 I don't want to go to that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to be a part of that. And that's, I believe, what happened to the Pharisees is they had this mindset of already, I don't want to go there. I don't want to be a part of that. He's not who he said he was going to be. He's not who we thought he was going to be. I don't want to be a part of that. 
and they denied themselves the ability to prepare themselves for the kingdom of God. It's, it's interesting that he spoke to the servants. You know what I mean? Um, if we could be anything, we need to be servants of the Most High God. And uh, this stretches all three of us uh, on us to say that we're sitting here while they're serving because usually we're on the other end of that. Do you know what I mean? You have to learn to serve, but you have to learn to receive. And I kind of want to uh, share that I wrote this down with the Jewish custom. Listen to the Jewish custom of this right here at the table. The parents of the, of the betrothed drew up the marriage contract. The bride and groom would meet and would sign the contract. It would be sealed and signed. And we've been talking about how God wants to seal our hearts. You know, when you get a marriage contract, there's a ceiling, but the parents were very involved in it. A bride would remain with her parents, and the groom would go to prepare a home, a place. Let me say that again. A bride would remain with her parents, and the groom would go to prepare a home, a place. And the, when the home was ready, the groom would return to his bride without a notice. There would be a suddenly that would happen. The marriage ceremony would take place, and the, where, the wedding ceremony would follow. The wedding banquet was the most joyous occasion in the Jewish life that could last for weeks. And this would last for weeks as they prepared the Jewish ceremony. But do you know what's interesting is the bride would have to stay here as the, as the groom would prepare the home. God in his kingdom is preparing the home. And he said he would come suddenly for his bride. As he's preparing that home, he said he would come suddenly to prepare the bride. In this parable, Jesus compares heaven to the wedding feast, the kingdom that is prepared for his son. Matthew 22, 2 says, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to the king who gave a wedding feast. The kingdom of heaven is compared to a wedding feast. If you're looking at this and this looks beautiful and this is what God's trying to say and what he's trying to do, it's prepared and it's compared to a wedding feast, the kingdom of God. And you wonder why, you know, they say, he said, the, thy, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. If I'm praying, if you're praying and you've got situations going on and you say, thy kingdom come, thy wedding feast come, it's, it's compared to a wedding feast. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done. You know, you pray and you're, you're, you're sitting at this place to the very end of a situation. You might have lame in your family. You might have expectations in your family that doesn't look like it's going to be met. But then you would say at the end, even when you feel like it's not going to be met, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Thy feast come. We're eating upon him, the bread of life. And isn't it interesting? I don't want to be a wedding crasher. You ever seen a wedding crasher that comes in 
doesn't like what it looks like, oh, you know, she could have really moved that in a different way. And that could have been done in a different they're, way. They're critical. Very critical. And they have these excuses. And I thought about you talking about people with their expectations and their, you know, their soul needs to be healed. Can you imagine? He said, if the servants are not going to come of the ones I invited, then go out and get whoever you need to get. It was a Jewish custom that the Jews would come in. They would come in and sit down and eat and have a feast. But they had every excuse. I got to go. I'm busy. I've got to go because I just got married. I got to go because I got to go tend my field. And they had every excuse not to come. So he said, then go to the highways and the byways. Can you imagine that he brought lame people into this kind of place? Some people don't even feel worthy of, of this. I mean, how can I sit down and literally eat with gold forks? How can I be a part of a table? That I, I, don't even, I don't even know how I can even, you know, I can never repay you for this. How do I sit here? It, it is mind-boggling that in this story, that they would choose not to want to come because the dinner was just the beginning. You have no idea what God had in store during the banquet. You don't know what he's going to say, what he's going to offer, what he's wanting to do. You don't know if he's sitting at the table and say, you know, son, I've actually been, I've heard of your, your prayer. And I just want to let you know your, your debts are paid for. You're, you're good. You're debt free. So when you leave this place today, and I'm thankful you came to this banquet, but when you leave, you leave a free man. Honey, your health is restored. So when you leave this banquet today, you're healed. You see what I'm saying? Like, you don't know what else. Why do we give so many excuses? It, it happens all the way, all the time. God is always preparing a banquet. And, and, and what I look at when I come here every Sunday, I'm about to feast on the Lord every Sunday I walk in these doors. Why not come? Why not see what God has in store for it? Why not taste and see that he's good? Why not gather? Why not? Well, we're too busy. <clears throat> I, got, I got an appointment. I got something going on. All, all kinds of excuses happen when, when we... we we allow our mind and everything dictate our joy and dictate what we know is right. God has rescued us. What's hard as Christians at times is we forget what he brought us through. At times we forget the moment we accepted him as Lord and Savior. What the hell we were in. He pulled us out of and brought us to a table. And then we get so comfortable that we get to a place like, oh, I've, been, uh, I've been there. I've seen that. I've, it's actually pretty good. Isn't that cool? Didn't you like it? He has gold, gold forks. Didn't you, wasn't that cool? Did you see all the great food? And it's just a conversation piece now. Instead of saying, I'm just longing, there's an anticipation. I just want to get in his presence. I don't care if I'm what, what end of the table I sit at. I just want to be there. I don't care if I'm in the background, on the side. I don't care if I'm serving it. I just want to be in his presence. I'll eat the scraps just to be in his presence. 
And it, 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 it is mind-boggling that we can sit at a table and that, that, the, that, that he would prepare, that he would have people prepare and get things all set up and beautiful to come back to say, well, they're, they're declining the RSVP. They're, they're, they're uh, declining that. What? Do they know what's about to happen? Do they know the blessing they're about to get? Are you kidding me? And what does he say? He says, well, let's go. Let's keep moving. And to me, at times, when you look at this story, you look at the people that he's, he's talking about, it's people that, that he knew. You got people that, that are known. And like I've said many times, there's valuable people in the shadows. He, he gets to this place, and he's, he's, he's saying all this all, all this stuff that, let me go back to it real quick, that, that, that none of them that I first invited will ever taste the smallest piece of this. Don't, won't even smell. Let's just go smell this. They won't even smell it. I mean, this stuff's all baked. There's there all kinds of goodies here. It's all real. It ain't fake. I know some of y'all are drooling right now, but I'm just telling you. It's, it's good. It smells good. I'm about to put a fork in it. <laughs> It's about to go get real. Sam already did. It looked like Sam already dug he into did. that leg. He was back there. See that kid? He ain't even in here. He's already like a, he's a, like a rat. Like. But listen to Matthew 22, 4 and 5. And again, he sent other servants saying, tell those who are invited. See, I have prepared my dinner. Yeah. My oxen, my fatted calves have been slaughtered and everything is ready. And he's saying, everything is ready in the kingdom. He said, I need you to go get them. I need them to be invited. It, you know, and this is beautiful. And there's, there's chicken, there's this, there's that. But this is, a, this is the representation of the kingdom. The kingdom is ready. It's ready. And he's saying, come. Well, here's, mom, just, just downloading right now. These people gave excuses for everything he had. Yeah. I got to check the land. I got it. I own land and, and, and thousands of cattle on so many hills. I own it all. Well, I got to check. the. I've already killed the, the fatted calf. It's here. It's for you to eat, actually. Well, I just got married. I'm bringing you into the feast of marriage. Right, right. Everything that we gave excuse for, he's already covered and wants to give you. And we give so many excuses why we don't want to come to the table. And whatever that table looks like, I don't care if, how it looks. He just wants to commune with you. Jesus at the, at the table with, with the disciples. Take this. Break it. Remember me. Take this. Drink it. Remember me. This is going to be the last time. And they didn't know that. And everything was crazy. And a lot of times when you go to a table with people, sometimes it gets crazy. We try to keep it pretty calm, and we don't want to talk about certain things because certain things bring up certain things. Yeah, it's coming Thursday, just letting you know. But here's what it is. If Christ can be the center of it, we let love blanket us and cover us. That whatever happens, i, I, I got to read something. You got anything else? Go ahead. Well, I was thinking about this about before you, you get right into that is you were talking about, you know, God giving you everything that you have, but you said sitting down at a table with people and what we're doing. And in 
real life, you know, we'll, just like on Thursday, we're going to sit down at a table with people and we're going to eat. And whatever takes place at that table is what's going to take place at that table. And the way you respond or how you, whatever you do is going to be on you. But the fact of it is, is sometimes I think we place our expectations on God off of our fleshly and earthly realities that we end up missing out on what God has because, you know, expectations in all reality bring cattiness. Because, you know, well, last time I was at the table, can you hold up your cup? How come he got the big cup? I mean, so God, why do they get a, he get a bigger cup than I get a bigger cup? That means that he has more that you can fill in and I have less. And why can't I get as much as he does? Because I spend more time praying than he ever does. Because I know everything he does every second of the day. And I watch him like I'm a stinking stalker. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like we know everything that every person does. And we feel like we are still owed something and not thankful for the cup that we've been given. And sometimes maybe God's trying to look at you and be like, you really couldn't handle that cup. Just be happy for the cup that I've given you so that I can pour into you and do with it what I want to. And the thing about it is, is so when that happens, we're like, well, I'm not, I'm not going next time. If I'm not getting what he's getting, I'm not going. I'm not going to respond to you, God, because I didn't get. And how come you put plastic cups at my table and not glass cups, God? <laughs> Are you serious? Do you not think I'm worthy enough of doing that? I mean, come on. I've served you for over 20 years. I can't even get a goblet. I got a gold fork and a plastic cup. Are you serious? But the fact of it is, is he said, didn't I drink from something less than that? Mm. What about the cup that I was given? What about the cup that I drank from? Wasn't it good enough? Wasn't what I had enough for you? Wasn't what I gave already enough for you Mm. this is all just extra and and here we are at a table and you're not thankful for the table you're more consumed at what you do get or don't get and and unfortunately we got grown babies well i think expectations birth greed yeah it's a it's a greed for things that you want it's an i want that begins to consume you and the problem is is that you have no room left for God to be a part of where you are because you're consumed by what you want out of life instead of out of who he is in your life. And it's the same way. Well, why is his cup like that? Why is his? You see what I'm saying? We, we do the, the same stuff happens at church all the time and, and with Christian people. You, you know, you don't look like you're a Christian. Well, why are you wearing your hat? Well, why are you dressed like that? Can we let the Holy Spirit do that? You know what I'm saying? Like, why do you do this? Well, you smell like cigarettes. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. You smell like pride. Well, why did they get asked to serve and I didn't get asked to serve that? Exactly. Why did they get to do that and I didn't get to do that? You know what I'm saying? Like, we have these expectations of how we think church should be, reality should be, life should be, all these things. And, and it's not the truth. We have to set ourselves in our minds upon heavenly things. Why do you think God talks to us every day saying, renew your mind daily? Because I'm telling you what, if you don't, you will continually decline his invitation on a daily basis. Mmm, that grape's good. That's big. Mmm. Okay, so. Man. So this story, 
is, uh, it's an amazing story because Jesus is telling, again, I got to get you wrapped around this before we land this. This is not the China buffet. Dad, where'd you go for Veterans Day? Golden Corral. This is not Golden Corral, Dad. Howard and Larry. Um, but if it's free, it's for me, right? <laughs> What's crazy is, again, he's sitting with these Pharisees, these guys that are tripping him up, or trying to trip him up to get him to do something so they can put him in jail, so they can try to kill him. And you got you to gotta get this. Jesus is telling these stories because this guy sitting at a table is like, you know, the kingdom of heaven. It's going to be pretty interesting. It's going to be amazing going to that banquet. And basically, Jesus is like, listen, Pharisee, um, don't count all your chickens yet. You know, like you got to be prepared because there's something, you know, you, you're just because you think you're going to be at the banquet doesn't mean you're going to be going ahead. You know what I mean? Like you got to be careful. And so there's a, there's, a, there's a, I guess, another story that's parallel to this story, and it's found in Matthew. And, and this one is Jesus is in the temple, and he's telling a story of the king who prepared a great wedding feast. Now, let me give you some of this real quick. I'm going to put them all together. Mind you, Jesus just rode in on the donkey. Hosanna, Hosanna. Jesus goes to the temple and goes buck wild. Flips all the tables. My house should be a house of prayer. This ain't Cover Bridge Festival. Like, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. They were doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And he flipped the tables at the ch Like, he walked in church and went off. <laughs> he goes back and leaves comes back the next day back into the same temple. You read the word because it seems like every it seems like things are so distant but they're actually not. And he's having this conversation and they're 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 all talking and basically let me let me get to you. He he does the entry. Jesus cleans the temple. Jesus curses the fig tree. What a thug. Um <laughs> Jesus does all this stuff. Jesus tells the parable of the two sons. Jesus tells the parable of the evil farmer. He's all in the temple having this conversation with these Pharisees. He's, he's trying to tell them something. And then he gets into this last parable. He said, the kingdom of heaven is illustrated in the story of a king who prepares a great wedding feast for his son. When the banquet is ready, he sends out invitations. He sends out the invitations, the... Uh, you know, are you going to be there or not invitations? But they all refused to come. So we sent out other invitations to tell them the feast has been prepared. The bull, the fatted calf have been killed and everything is ready. Come to the banquet. But the guests have, that he invited ignored them and went their own ways. And uh, one to his farm, another to his business. And others seized the messengers, insulted them, and killed them. There's well, some crazy people out there. I'm just inviting you to a, a banquet, and you're going to, like, make fun of me. Then you're going to, you're actually going to kill me. Now you're, now you're killing the king's servants for just delivering a message he told them to deliver. 
just come to the banquet. I, I prepared a banquet for you. And so they said that he was furious, and the, uh, he had the armies destroy and, uh, the murderers and burn their towns. He said to his servants, the wedding feast is, uh, is ready. And I've invited, um, let, me, let me switch gears to this. The wedding feast is ready. And yet those, in the passion, those who invited uh, to attend didn't deserve the honor. Now I want you to go into the streets and alleyways and invite anyone else that you can find to come and join the wedding feast. So they went out and invited everyone to come to the feast, good, bad, the like, you know, alike, until the banquet, banquet hall was, was crammed with people. Stop right there. Earlier, Jesus is having this conversation, and people were complaining or trying to figure out, like you said, like, why is my cup like this? They were trying to fight for a position on the seat next to the king, next to the one in charge. And Jesus said, listen, it is better for you to sit at the back end of the table than you to sit right next to whoever's hosting it. He said, the reason why is because if somebody of importance is going to come and you're in their seat, how embarrassing is it that in front of everybody, they're going to ask you to get up and move. But if you sit at the back end first and when the host comes that sees that you're sitting back there and he comes all the way over to you and honors you and says, no, you don't need to sit back there. Come sit next to me. Look at you being honored in front of everybody. And too many times we, we want to be served instead of to serve. And too many times we want to be seen instead of staying in the background and, and let God elevate us. You elevate yourself, you'll fall faster than anything. But when God elevates you, you're elevated. And so we have this, this situation now that we have, okay, the same problem happened. The king was furious. He's like, go find somebody else. And so here he goes, finding somebody else. So I need to do something, and I was just thinking about it in this moment, but I want to grab uh, uh, Misi. Where are you at? There you are. Come here. Misi, I need you to come sit at this table with me. Now, why would you come to this table? You're the, the servant that's supposed to be serving this table. So, now I know your kids are going to be mad and, and they're not there and you need some chicken and your husband's mad, but it's not for him, it's for you. Um, he can smell your breath later. But, but here, here, here's the situation at hand, guys. The people that were invited didn't come. So he's like, look, go, go out and get anybody. Get servants. Get. And so being a person that is the one serving Hear me on this. Being the one that's serving and setting it up, why, why? I don't even feel worthy of this. This is not my position. But when God elevates and, and calls somebody to the table, guess what you become? You become one of everybody else. It doesn't show anything. You're a part of the table. It doesn't mean like, oh, well, she shouldn't be here. She's the one that's getting the food and getting the stuff. Why is she at the table? She's the one that needs to be cleaning the dishes later. Can I just say a side note, setting ladies free in the room? Husbands, your wife's job is not just to be your maid. Thank you. Amen. I, I, you know, you're saying it louder than normal, though. <laughs> but too many times we, we think that one person has to do it. It's, it's a work in progress with everybody pitching in. But here's the thing. The thing is, is you, 
you don't belong here because you're the one trying to serve this. But when God shows up and is like, look, the people I really try to invite, <laughs> they didn't want to come. And some of them actually killed my servants. So he's taking anybody. You could represent the low, the down and out, the lame. You could just be the servant that's setting it up, that sits in the background. And when, when somebody needs, you can be the cupbearer. But when he calls you to the table, you become equal to everybody else. And what you need to realize, church, is he's calling us all to the table. That you're valuable no matter what. So, so he's calling to the table, and, and he's, he's filling it to the rim. The, the, the house is packed. The house is packed up. Now, you know, you could feel a certain way, Renita, but why don't you go, hey, this is my stuff. So get up here. Let the baby go. Give it to Stephen. He knows how to do it. He's got kids. So, but you can't sit down yet, okay? You, you have to you, you got to be presentable to the table. And so, and you know what's crazy? No matter what happens, you ever had, you ever had situations happen where you, you do all you can, and yet still people are going to complain? I'll tell you this. Come on, girl, get yourself scooted in. Get you. Now, you presented this whole thing, okay? You did. You did. I only got one robe. I don't have a bunch. But say we got them on. You presented this whole thing. Check this out. Too many times, I don't even feel like I'm worthy to sit at this table because at this table, at this table, I want to just honor others. It's hard for me to accept honor when I, all I do is want to honor others. I do my best, but people steal my ideas. I try my hardest, but nobody gives me the appreciation that I really need. Even though you're not looking for it, doesn't it feel good to say you did a good job? You're not trying to search for it, but doesn't it feel good, though? And here we are at a table. That in the end, I'm telling you right now for her, and even me see that they wasn't going to expect to come sit at the table that they prepared. All she told me is, I just want to honor. And all I told her is, listen, you're not going to be in my way. What you're going to do is going to illustrate the whole thing. You just do what you do best. You do what you always do. And... Side note, uh, she has a business that does this for weddings and events. And I'm just saying, I'm not here to promote a bu bunch of businesses and stuff. I'm not like, well, you should talk about my business next week. This ain't about that. I'm just saying this was what she does. She rents this stuff out. She does this for weddings and makes it look 
incredible. And we're thankful. Thank you for your business and in, in, in doing this. Uh, we're so thankful for you and, and, and that. And we do honor you in that because you do a great job. Enough about your business. But um, I, as hurry up because I'm, I'm Man, don't rush me. hurry up, girl. I know I got to eat. You eat. Okay, Shh. let me eat. Fill, fill your lips so I can talk. Okay, let me eat. Okay. I got something to I got, I'm going to land this I love thing. you. You always got something to say. <laughs> just, just, just give me for a second. Girl, you don't want just me? Just eat. Just eat. Shh. Don't forget we're Don't threaten me. It's a good time, girl. <laughs> we're back not going to do this for Thanksgiving. So I, as we were eating here, you know. <laughs> Our it, house is like in, the clumps. <laughs> in reality, sometimes to sit here, it, like even doing this can feel awkward. It you is. know what I'm saying? Setting and eating in front of you guys. You know what I'm saying? And then in front of, like, the cameras, and I'm like, Macy don't watching? Care. She just are they watching how I'm, like, eating my food? Or do I cut my chicken with my fork? Or do I pick it up with my fa- You know what I'm saying? Like, you think weird things. But as I was eating and sitting here, I heard the Holy Spirit say, the dinner's going to happen with or without you. So it doesn't really even matter who's not eating or who is eating or who's watching. All that matters is if you make it to the table. Did you make it to the table? Can you just enjoy and set and eat? Because what's hard is that you could come and sit at the table and still miss your moment with God. You could come and sit at the table and miss the plate of what he's given you to nurture and fulfill and nourish your soul because you didn't take the time to eat. When everybody else around you is getting filled at the table, or you may be one of the onlookers looking on the outside being like, I want me a piece of that chicken, or I want some of that, or I want some of that. And isn't that how it is in the kingdom of God that we can look at other people and I want what he has or she has or what they're doing. But in the reality is he's the same God to each and every single one of us. It's just what you put into it. Again, like we talked about last week is what you're going to get out uh, of it. And if you show up, God will do his showing out. And that's the point of it is that it's going to happen with or without you. So whether you choose to respond, he's still going to come. He's still going to prepare a place. And guess what? Whatever you don't see, if if it wasn't Renita or Misi sitting here, somebody would have filled that spot. And the, the point of the story is for those who were invited initially, they weren't allowed to come sit back at the table. But somebody will always fill the spot at the table. And if you choose not to fill it, that's on you. It ain't on your mama. It ain't on your dad. It ain't on your kids. It ain't on your husband. It's not on your childhood. It's not on your job or your boss or what you have or what you don't have. The response to get to the table and the responsibility is on you. And whether you respond and get there or not. And you know what's funny is everybody's plate here had something a little bit different. There's some things at the table I can't eat in all reality, but that doesn't mean that I didn't get what God wanted for me. I still eat what he set before me and do what needs to be put in place. And there's some things that others will eat more of or do less of. But the fact of it is, is my response to coming and setting and partaking is up to me. And that is what RSVP is all about. What are you responding Well, what's interesting is he set the table, but we had to put the items on our plates. Do you know what I'm saying? 
he has set the table and everything is, he said, I got the fatted calf ready. I, he didn't say, I put it on your plate. No, you have to put it on your plate. Do you see what I'm saying? You have to reach your hand out and put your hand out into the kingdom. This said the feast is a comparison of the kingdom of God. You got to put your hand out in servanthood to put what needs to be on your plate. Because if we don't, then we're, we're going to be sitting at an empty plate and not eating of the kingdom of God. I want to read this real quick. Obadiah 115, and God really spoke to me, and he told me that, you know, it reminds me of John the Baptist crying out in the wilderness to prepare the way of the Lord, and he was crying out, you know, they didn't like him. They put his head on a platter at a feast. And, hello? They put John the Baptist's head on a pla platter and set it at a feast table. Because he was crying out, prepare the way of the Lord. He's coming. And I believe this church has got to prepare the way of the Lord upon it. That we need to cry out because he's coming. He said, it, it's ready. The feast is ready, he said. That means the kingdom of God is ready. Obadiah 1 15 says, for the day of the Lord is near upon all the nations. Hello, are we there? The day of the Lord is near upon all the nations. As you have done, it shall be done to you. As you have done, it shall be done to you. Your deeds shall return upon your own head. What you have done shall be done unto you. Remember, it's not because the, 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 vest were, the, in, the guests were invited but they would not come. It's not that they could not come. Watch. It's because they would not come. Because there was an invite, but they wouldn't come. There's, God really spoke to me, and he said, there's lame excuses that have been happening uh, that he's asked and he has prompted. And there is... The crazy excuses not to come to the most beautiful setting that he has for us. And, you know, it says the king prepared it for the bride. And the groom was Jesus Christ that shed his sacrificial blood. He was the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the earth. This whole thing was about the redemption of us. This whole thing was about what he wanted to do in our lives. Acts 13, 46 says, And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you, since you thrust aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Since you thrust aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. The gospel is available to everyone. Since you thrust aside. I don't want to thrust aside what God wants to do and how he wants to do things in our lives. You know what I mean? God sent his son into the world. And the very people he should, that should have celebrated his coming rejected him. God sent his son. And the ones that rejected him was his own. And I don't know about you, but 
I believe that God has an invitation Okay. That was good. Well, I tore that up. That chicken's dead. So the king prepares the table. People don't show up. Then people show up. And King said to the servants about the wedding feast, I want you to go into the streets and the alleys. So the servants went out and got him. Now when the king when the king so powerful. So the king wasn't in the room when the banquet started. When the king entered the banquet, he looked with glee over all the guests, but then he noticed a guest who was not wearing the wedding robe provided for him. And he said to him, my friend, how is it? He said to him, my friend, how is it that you're here and you're not wearing your garments? But the man was speechless. Then the king turned to his servant and said, tie him up, throw him out into the outer darkness where there will be great sorrow with weeping, grinding of teeth, for everyone is invited to enter in, but a few, but few respond in excellence. Hmm. For basically what he's saying is for many are invited, but few are chosen. Get this. To me, what this is saying is that this man came up in this banquet after he was already invited and declined it, but wanted to come in, snuck in. Too many times we got, we got, we got uh, so-called Christian leaders and Christians that think there's, they can talk, they'll talk all they want, but if you are not following what God is saying, you are still going to be casted out. You can call yourself a Christian all day long. Get this. The king walks in the room. And is smiling and is full of joy looking at the huge banquet of people, but notices one thing that's off. One person isn't wearing the garment. So if one's not wearing the garment, everybody else is. Did he call the elite? Probably. Did they come? Nope. He called the down and out, the servants. He called the blind. He called the beggar. He called everybody else. But he put the same garment on all of them. And everybody sat at the table and was completely together. Nobody knew each other's mess because it covered them. Does anybody remember the story? Because that's what we're praying for. I'm just praying that the prodigal comes home. And when the father sees the prodigal coming home, he meets him in his spot. And what does he bring to him at the spot? And what does he do when he brings the garment? He gets ready for the banquet. So whoever shows up at the banquet is going to have a garment that's going to sit on them and bring them to a level that everybody can go. 
I don't need to know your mess. I don't need to know your mess. I don't need to know that you can't. You, you, you might not be able to walk, but listen, the table's going to cover it anyway. I, the garment's going to cover everything. You belong here. You look like you belong here. But you don't know. I don't even smell good. I'm, I'm a mess. I'm busted and broken. He doesn't care. You come into the banquet. I have something to put over that. It's his love, his grace, his authority. You sat in authority when you sat at his banquet table. He put you in a place. That, that scripture blew my mind. I looked and I saw, but I saw one that wasn't wearing the garment that was provided. So to, that tells me that a so-called person that probably was invited didn't go, but then wanted to sneak in and still get a little glimpse. And God's like, listen, I ain't having it. If I invite you, you come. But don't you play church and say all your spiritual Christian lingo stuff. You still going to get casted out. He's real about that. <laughs> and people are like, well, what about grace? What about grace? Yes, grace. She died 10 years ago. Never mind. But <laughs> grace is still there, but there's still a heaven. There's still a hell. If you don't obey God, guess what happens? You're going to get to a place where you're not even going to be able to get in his presence. And then someone look at that and say, well, that's not fair. He still came. You know how many people have other motives? Do you realize that even the Bible says the elect will be deceived? And we are so, we turned a blind eye and we're so naive to people around us for what they say. They can say something that has something to do with scripture and think it's completely holy, but they live a hell life. I'm telling you right now, what he says is I want to bring you to a a banquet. I want to bring you to a table. Two different stories. Jesus is with the Pharisees at both of these stories. These are the ones that were trying to put Jesus on the cross. <laughs> they thought they won when they put him on the cross, but they, they didn't realize that uh, he was going to defeat all that. But what he was trying to say is, look, I want to bring you to a banquet, not just so you can sit and eat. I want to go ahead and cover you so that you know that no matter what you've been through, my, I'm going to put my anointing on you. I'm going to cover you with my grace and, and my mercy, and it's going to last, and it's going to linger on you, and you're going to sit just balanced with everything else, and nobody's going to have a chance to try to say who's this and who's that. You're all wearing the same garment. You all got garments on. Oh, let's put on the garment of praise. Let's just get it. You know what I mean? And so here we are at the table. And here it is that he calls us. He calls us to it. He wants us to wear it. I think you just got to realize that it's okay to come to the table. Now I'll say this to everybody in the room and anybody watching and listening. Quit beating yourself up for your past. Did he say anything to the prodigal son? Wait, before, you know, you've been with the pigs and did it. No, he's like, I got a robe for you. Did he say anything different? Like, you know, why don't you do this and this first? He just said, go get him. Bring him back. But what he's trying to say to us, church, go get him. Bring him back. My grace is going to cover him. But realize that it's okay. Did you notice when she came up here? She probably didn't even feel like, man, I'm trying to serve people here. This kind of is weird, you know, because I don't like the attention and the light on me. But guess what happened? This moment I pulled the chair back 
and I said, I have something for you, she automatically turned into it. She automatically stepped into what was presented to her. That's always wanting is your willingness. Just step into it and sit in it. And the more you sit in it, the stronger you get, the bolder you get. And then you can come to a table, and then when you go out to bring in other people to the table, you have the confidence to know that the king of kings is okay with you coming to the table. That's why he tore the veil. You have full access to it. We're going to switch gears here. I want to um, I want to read this scripture because this has really been on my heart. Second Corinthians eleven two and three. For I feel a divine jealousy for you, since I betrothed you to one husband, I present you as a pure virgin to Christ. But I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunnings. Your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. And here's the Lord saying, I betroth you, I'm jealous for you. But I don't want you to be deceived like Eve was deceived, like Adam was deceived. And I have an invitation for you. I want the host to come. He said that he was jealous for us. And he said there was an invitation to the guest. And I'm going to have them pass out this invitation that's sealed with a gold seal. Call me too. 